Welcome everybody back to the Deposit That Podcast. Six years ago, early 2014, I moved back to Jersey and decided to uh, make a quick impact on Jersey real estate with the mortgages. I walked into a real estate office, Liberty Realty, and I saw a big office with closed doors. I didn't walk into it. I never walked into an office with closed doors inside an office. But I did have free devil's tickets, and I met Brett Score because Brett Score won some devil's tickets. So, so, Brett, here we are six years later. Thanks, guys, for coming in. Appreciate that's all it. I needed was devil's tickets. That's it. Free We've devil's been tickets. friends ever since. And then you had to connect me with Dave about <laughs> two years later. We've obviously spent the last six years forming our relationship, both personally and professionally. So we're going to jump right into it, guys. I want to hear... What got you guys into the business, and what year did you get started? I got started in 2009, just as the crash was happening. What got me into the business, I was a lender for about 10 years prior. Started in 99, and uh, I had just opened a branch of the mortgage company that I was working for in Hoboken, and then closed it like three days later. That was the norm back then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Open and close. <laughs> Mor- mortgageimplode.com yeah. was a legit website. So yeah. in trying to build that mortgage business, I ended up going to different real estate offices to meet people. And I, you know, as soon as mortgages disappeared, literally for like six years. Overnight. Yeah. I had no income burned through my savings. And so naturally I just watched what some of these guys and gals were doing and started building my systems pretty quickly. I I think maybe three months into it, Brett walked into the office. He had been in the business a little longer than me, but he walked in, he kind of- Was he in a bathing suit and flip-flops? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Something along those lines. I was 21 years old. (laughs) But Dave, do you feel like being in lending or having that 10-year background or training or experience- propelled you into being successful in real estate? Like, was that the perfect training for you? It was. Yeah, it definitely had a lot of value. I mean, the, the first sale I did, because my, the first six months of my career, I was just cranking out rentals in Hoboken, uh, which was a good living. Sure. You know, we were doing, what, 15, 16 rentals a month. And I was able, you know, through my knowledge of the mortgage process, I was able to look at one of these prospective tenants and be like, buy. you should probably buy. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and converted them, and they bought... Um, I did the loan and the real estate side at the same time, you, which you I never could back did then. again. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, back then you could before 2012. Yeah, <laughs> you could do anything before 2012. Exactly, you could. <laughs> and so that's kind of how you know. Once I did that first sale and made as much as I was making doing 12 rentals, sure. I was like, you know, what, you know, what the fuck am I doing? So that was kind of how I, I I got started into it. But yeah, so for me, I got licensed in June of 07. I owned a landscaping company prior to that. And the thing to do was flipping real estate. And like a lot of people do, or a lot of people think is, that, hey, let me go get my real estate license. I'm going to find all the best deals that way. So the only reason why I got my real estate license was to flip real estate with the money that I had sold the landscaping company and, and, and gotten from that. So what I learned pretty quickly was that it was the worst time, June of 2007, yep. um, 20-year-old kid, yep. th- you know, thinking everything's going to be perfect for the rest of my life. So fortunately, I didn't buy anything then. I got a job with Foxton's, which lasted really long. <laughs> before I could even start training, they yeah. filed for bankruptcy without yeah. telling any of their employees. Quickly. And, and literally cl- like locked the doors on a, on a Monday. Yep. So then I was like, oh, shoot, what do I do now? So I ended up working for Weikert Realtors out in the Burbs, out in Randolph, New Jersey, and was with them for seven or eight months at the time. And, and I think I did one rental. I wasn't making any money. It's it was, not a big rental market, though. Yeah. And I wasn't, I didn't want to do rentals. It was right. just, the way it, you know, I would take whatever I could get. I needed, I needed money at that point. Yep. So that didn't work. Went into car sales, actually. And that was... While still maintaining your real estate license? I still kept the license, but that was, so now we're in, fast forward to July, July 4th of 2008, went into car sales. And then 
that market completely. That was great for like two months. I didn't yeah, like yeah. doing it, but it was great. It was good money. Sure. And then that market completely dropped out. Yeah. The Dow went. Everything just yeah, started yeah, to get yeah. super scary. Yeah, where I could see my yeah, I had sales managers making three hundred grand a year, which is a ton of money for me back then. Sure. You know, in my head to, to be around people like that, and they're going, I don't know what I'm going to do. I have no clue where my neck like. I've never yeah, had to there talk was no my money, savings. No money in the market. Yeah. And their lifestyle is probably up. Oh, yeah. I mean, they had, you know, the guy had an M5. He was, you know, a 32-year-old guy making a ton of money. And he's sure. just like, I, you could just see the fear in his eyes. And sure. I'm 21 at the time. And I'm going, this is different. This is, this, is, this is the real deal. And that's what, you know, obviously you experienced on the mortgage side of things, too. But there weren't really any industries, now that I'm looking back, that weren't really affected well money in my opinion money fuels every industry yeah and it fuels the consumer so if the industries don't have money and the consumers aren't spending money everything's at a standstill and that's what happened i just want to point out one thing he built and sold a landscaping company at 20 years old yeah that's why i love working with brad i mean he that that in and of itself is ridiculous i think he's also always cool calm and composed i very rarely see him get rattled yeah right yeah that's yeah. a big part of it. I mean, we. My wife that. would disagree with that. <laughs> she <laughs> goes on behind closed she doors. Get me going. <laughs> yeah, no. They I, say women have that effect on men. Yeah, I'm not, yeah. You know, yeah. I can. I can. I can vouch for that. All day. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, no. I. Yeah, and that and that comes with a lot of training and stuff, and we'll probably go into that a little bit later. But yeah, so yeah, a lot of mindset. T- tell stuff. me a little bit about what you guys. Are, I obviously know, but tell me about what you guys are doing now. And I'll, let's get into since we're now into you know 2020. Talk a little bit about goals, visions, and what you guys think the markets. You know, really going to be coming into in the next decade because obviously lots going to change in the next decade. Yeah, I mean, you know, for me, I think market-wise, this feels so much. You know, we've obviously had a correction in certain markets. This feels so much better than what I experienced in 2008, even though I wasn't fully in this industry yet. I knew that regardless of what I was doing back then. You know, Dave and I were working together. You, you. you I, I joked and said it, I felt like it was easy. And then Dave had to remind me that it wasn't easy. We doubled down and, yep. and just yep. totally went after it. Yep. And a lot of agents were leaving the business at that time and filing for bankruptcy and losing homes and boats and, and that's everything. Real. Listen, that's real. That's real stuff. And, and, you know, fortunately, Dave and I had blinders on to just hammer down past that, through that. Um, but that so, takes something internal, I believe, then. You know, like a coach can't tell you to do that. I think it takes the person to say, or a buddy or a friend or an affiliate associate to say, fuck, let's buckle down. Let's do this. Like, we got this. Push through. You know, your average person, even if they have a W-2 salary, is still going to give up. Now, imagine being not on a salary, no business, no money in the market, now saying, fuck, where's my next dollar coming from? Yeah, that's. I think that's the key right now. A few things what you said. I think... There is a piece of it that is internal, and there's a bigger piece of it, I think, that could be coached and collaborated on to create success. And we find ourselves now at EXP with what we're doing. That is so much more present than it was um, back, you know, 10 years ago when we were going through the same thing with in terms of the market. You need buddies. Like, you need a crew. You can't go at this alone. Can't. It's impossible. And, and I don't those mean, days are over. Those days are over. I don't mean that you need to be on a team or anything like that. I just think a lot of people are going to find themselves on this island and in struggle and survival mode. And it's going to be so much easier to do the opposite of that and to thrive, right? And one of our mottos that we're focusing on in 2020 is more than enough, you know, because in the past, most agents are either just at barely enough, even the top, top agents and teams, 
we want to create more than enough. And I think the only way to do that is through collaborative efforts in any business that you're doing. The other thing that we're focusing on is just getting as lean as possible. Just looking at the things, the systems, the people, whether that be lead generation or marketing or whatever it is, focus on what works and put everything into that system or that person and just narrow your focus a little bit. Because we, te- you know, the days of shiny object over here, shiny object over here. I mean, it's the perfect time right now. It's the new year to cut off your credit card, right? Yep, and yep, as you yep. start getting the emails of like, hey, you didn't pay your bill yeah, this month. That's yeah. where you go, what is that? <laughs> I don't remember signing up for that. Let me get rid of that. Let me yep. get rid of that. Because once you're, you're, you're lean and you're just operating off of the things that you know work, not only is profitability going to show up almost immediately, but then you have the opportunity to grow in that focus with the things that do work and the people that do work. Talk to me a little bit about the balance between being a visionary, right, and staying ahead of the curve and trial and error, which obviously, you know, our business is a lot of that, especially in the new age of technology we're in, right, versus quadrupling down on what you know works for 10, 15, 20 years, because I see a big change in the mortgage and real estate space, as we all see, of, well, this is the way I always did it since the 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2010, 2019, right, versus wow, we're in 2020 now. We don't need to have somebody fielding phone calls anymore. You can hire a virtual assistant for next to nothing, right? Or, hey, you can go on Zillow and search all your properties for sale versus going walking into your physical real estate brokerage on Fifth Avenue, for example, and Mm -hmm. getting these beautiful listings. So how do you balance that percentage of focusing on what works versus still being imaginary? I could answer that if you don't mind, because I was just talking about this with one of my coaches, uh, Matt Ferry, and uh, Kristen Ferry's wife. Basically, what I'm looking at is, all right, I have an overall big vision of what I want. And picture like a straight arrow that is leading you whoops, towards that vision. Within that arrow, there are things that may take you off the path. And what I'm focusing on is if something... You are those know, distractions or are those just could be. variables? There, there will be a combination of distractions and opportunities and ventures, right? So what I'm focusing on is I'm only going to come off my path slightly if it's an opportunity that is not a bet, that it's something that I know. So the odds are in your gonna, favor, you're saying? Yes, the odds are in my favor. It's been proven. And there's very, very little bet, meaning I'm going to put opportunity, I'm going to put money, time, and energy into this, hoping that it's going to lead me to where I want to go. Versus, all right, I know this is going to lead me where I want to go. I've I've vetted this opportunity so much that I know if it veers me off that arrow, whether it be this way or that way, it's definitely going to come back and feed back into the overall vision. So, so that that it doesn't, doesn't like shoot you far right of where you're looking to go. It literally yeah. might pull you right, but then pulls you right back in, you're saying, to where you want to be. Yeah. Not, well, not only that, that definitely, but also it already is a part of what I'm already doing. Right. Right. There's well, real estate has so many tentacles. Yeah, that's the thing. So There's many so many opportunities within real estate that you can make work. Daily. Mm-hmm. Daily. Yeah. Interesting. Sure. Right. What do you think? Well, to kind of go into to what he's saying a little bit too, and and we constantly actually Brent Gove for the EXP, who's who's you know a celebrity in our world and 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 really has accomplished some incredible things. I think he was the number two Keller Williams agent in California before he went to EXP. Like, you know, some big numbers. Tell him to come out to the New York City market. He ain't gonna make it. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> it's a whole different animal out here. I don't he know. He has been. He's San Francisco. It's yeah, not yeah. like it's an easy. He's not. 
Try, when you meet him, you'll be like, this guy's different. I'm kidding. He's probably, I get he's it. probably I a superstar. But I get it. It's, it's different, different in world. our area. Oh, totally. It's just like if we go out there, there's a reason why I'm not you in New York City and I'm in Hoboken. Yeah. Correct. All right. I don't want to be in New York City. I don't but really Hoboken, know. Hoboken, Jersey City are completely different than Manhattan. And think about it, they're right across the river. That goes into in what some I'm ways. Saying. Yeah. yeah. But that Continue. goes into the straight arrow. I know that. I don't know Manhattan. I could probably launch in Manhattan. I could probably. But I think for it to really work, I would have to be the one that goes in, moves to Manhattan, rolls my sleep, yep, sleep yep, and yep. just figures it out because yep. I don't know it well enough. And and to what I was going to say is is and actually th- this book that's sitting right in front of us, Profit First. If anybody hasn't read it, it's, it's a great book that goes into you know paying yourself first. That I heard sort you of thing. Them as a gift. Yeah, and then it's yeah, awesome. my birthday this- was last month, and it was fucking Christmas, and I didn't get a fucking book. <laughs> <laughs> Sunday morning, <laughs> Amazon <laughs> dropped this off. And you'll, like, get, <laughs> you'll get the book. Brett bought it for me. But Thank one you. of the things he mentions in that is is and it's coincidentally a landscaper. A landscaper's at his property doing his fall cleanups. Right. He owns all the backpack blowers. He owns everything like that. He notices the gutters are cleared, are cleaned up, or need, need some cleaning. So he says, hey, do you want me to do your gutters for you too? While he's up there, he's like, hey, you know, your roof shingles need some work as well. And then, hey, we could do a little masonry work around your chimney and kind of fix that up. And what he says is that it feels right. Like you're making a quadruple sale sure. to a client. Sure. But that takes him away from his fall cleanups, which he can pump. In the long term, it's going to cost him a lot more money. So. Sure. That just kind of like it, in regards to the vision, we really focus on what we know and what works. And there, in my opinion, is no wheel that needs to be reinvented. There might be a different method of delivering your message, whether it's text message, video email, something sure. like that. But you need to be face to face. You need to be interacting with clients and you can use the, the artificial intelligence or you can use virtual assistants to help. But I still feel like unless you're. I mean, even even a Redfin set up really technology based, but they still need that human interaction sure. aspect to it. So we really focus on that. Uh, what we know works. There's no need to reinvent the wheel. You and I are here together because of that exact same. We Correct. met, we talked. That right. that's hit it. it off. Yep. Hit it off, uh, and and built a relationship based on that. So I think that that's a huge thing. And then we just count it. You know, the amount of relationships you can build per day, that sort of thing, and make sure that they're genuine, and that that goes the longest way. Now, don't get me wrong. On the back end, with with money and stuff like that, I'm playing around with different things. That sure. that I still look for the magic pill. I think we all. I think we all. Do. That's part of <laughs> yeah. being an entrepreneur and a business person and a risk taker. Yeah. Um, back to what uh, you brought up before about just uh, being in, going into a new market like Manhattan. The cool thing about this collaboration that we have in our our mastermind at EXP is that. Yeah, they're, it's a different animal. There are different cities that are totally different animals, but they all have inherent traits that are the same, right? So if you could find a group of people to work with where I know A, B, and C works in any market, it's going to generate leads if we do it, right? Sure. But I don't know the boots on the ground, the other aspects, the transaction, listing management, things like that, sure. right? So if we can find the people who do know that through expansion, then we just do what we know works, what we're really good at, what most people are not good at, and find the people who could take that and close business, whether that be on a referral relationship, you know, with within our mastermind relationship, or being a part of an expansion team, keeping it that simple. It's like, we know we're good at this. Let's keep doing this right. anywhere Focus that on the we coaching, want. the leadership, yeah. the t- mentality, tactics. And you else. want the agent that plugs into that. Right. And that's the difficult part. That's the most difficult part is finding the agent that not only plugs into that, but also plugs into the big picture, sure. which is collaboration, 
growth, financial freedom, passive income, and making sure that what they're going to be doing and we're going to be doing with them does fall into that straight arrow. And if it veers off, there's a purpose we know is going to work and bring us back to the vision. Now, in the last year or probably a little over a year now, I know you guys were you know, both blowing Keller Williams and now you guys got off Keller Williams and now you're at EXP. So tell me about that shift and how that was. I mean, from what I know, Keller Williams thought of you specifically as one of their top players in the country, right? And obviously you did collaborative work together, but I know you were the mega agent, right? And that mega team. How did you leave this massive, long standing organization to go to essentially a cloud tech real estate platform? And what was that like? And what caused you to do that? I learned so much from Keller Williams. I was very fortunate enough to uh, <laughs> weasel and not to earn my way into this group, you know, Gary's top 100 and, and really make relationships with people that uh, to this day are some of my favorite people in the world. And for me, the model that they had for expansion was perfect at the start. Right. And as we grew, the model was amazing. It didn't line up with the financial model. And I had to look at that and say, well, the agents on my team were not making enough money within that financial model. Um, from a team concept. Yeah, from the team concept. Because Keller, in your opinion, was taking too much of their cut. Yeah, what it is, is and, and not even just Keller Williams, just brokerages in general, that, sure. that traditional brokerage model. The challenge was, okay, if you're going to be taking this much of a cut, right, then where's the value that brings it together. Sure. And for so many years, we were just like, all right, let's just be cool. I don't care. I'm sure it's there. Let's just operate. Kind of trusting in blind faith. Yes. Hoping yeah. that they'd make up the ends meet. Yeah. Because a lot of the people in that organization were amazing people sure. that I, I got value out of it. Right. I was flying to Austin to be in the room with Gary. Like, right. I, but I had to look at my agents and say, well, how do we create the, we create the value for them when we have our own space? You know, we, if we're in the Keller Williams office, we're also paying rents, right? And then there's this big chunk of money. How do we, how do we justify that? So for so many years, we just didn't even look at it. And, and, you know, I had to look at it at some point. It was a timing thing. And, and when that timing came together and I had that conversation with Tammy Pack, who is an agent in, in Texas that built a $90 million brokerage in three years and then, you know, went from an indie brokerage to joining EXP. Dan Beer, Kyle Whistle, Jay Kinder, all these amazing people that I was talking to, I found this culture of collaboration that I had been searching for for so long. And not only that, it worked for my agents. You know, they figured out a way to scale this and to give back to the agents. And, you know, what you take, if you ever read the book, The Go-Giver, right, you always want to give more in value than you take in payment. The second I got the model, I was like, this is it. So was it a hard choice? You know, you look, I look at it as even in the mortgage world, you know, I never branded a bank I worked for. I branded myself. I was Jeff, the mortgage guy. Like that was it. People didn't even know what bank they were closing with, even though I worked for an actual bank because I said, I'm building my own reputation and brand. Do you feel that because you were the DeVoe group at Keller Williams and you really, not that you sold Keller Williams, but a lot of people know Keller Williams. When you went from that big conglomerate name, pretty well known, to EXP, that it was a, like a mental shift for you? Like, oh, I don't want to go to this. No, no one knows Keller Williams. Like back in the day, it was, oh, no one else knows anyone other than Century 21 or Sotheby's. Yeah. Did you face we, any of those mental hurdles? I thought about it for a few moments. You know, I did this whole thing with Brett, you know, together sure. As, sure. As, a, as a partner. And, and I, 
you know, Brett brought up EXP way before that, not way before this, but a few months before and not, you know, like you said before, I was poster child, K, you know, KW expansion sure. guy sure. for the Northeast. Yeah. So I wasn't really open to it and, and, until I had to be. And there was a few moments of that thought, but what we simply did was we just pulled our agents. We pulled our clients. We asked them whether it was when they were under contract or when they were active or after they closed. Hey, would it have mattered if I was at ABC brokerage or EXP brokerage? All said no. No, across the board. And even our, our clients who were active at the time, and we said, we're going to be moving to a new brokerage, You know, which is simply all it is is, we are clearing our transactions through a broker's license, sure. right? And when we ask them that question of, will it matter to you if the name of the brokerage changes, if we give you the same or way more in value? And the answer was no, across the board. Nobody said that it, it mattered. So there were there were a few moments of that. There, It was a tough decision for many reasons. I love everybody at KW, but the moment I realized I could still do business with them in the same capacity that I do business with them being at EXP. You know what was fucked up that I, that I absolutely hate? And you know me, like, I'm the guy that I'll say nothing or just show love. Like, very <laughs> rarely, you know me, you've never seen me attack anybody unless they attacked me first, right? I attacked yeah. back. But as soon as you left, everyone was like, oh, David doesn't know what he's doing. Oh, David's a bad agent. It was almost like a, a lot of the Keller Williams gurus locally, like, turned their back on you and started bad-mouthing you. Because Out of fear, of yeah. Out of fear. Yeah, yeah. That's what my post last night was all about. I saw, yeah. It was like, hey, guys, we're still here. Nothing. I mean, things got a lot better for us. But uh, well, you grew your business you, you tremendously, should, right? Yeah, you should, pay, you should pay attention to what's happening. Like, the numbers don't lie. Right. Now, um, so talk about a little bit about your growth personally and professionally while being at eXp and the numbers that you've produced and the team that you've built out over the last you know, 12 to 18 months. A lot of my growth actually came from the collaborative side of. Th I mean, this book, the book right here is sitting here. Are you getting a rip on these books that you sell? Like, do you have a code? Of I didn't know he was going to no. bring the book. <laughs> I was yeah. just reading it. No, that's hard. I would have brought it. Right? And I got <laughs> whacked on that. I was looking for a soft cover. <laughs> Ebook three ninety nine. But Jay Kinder brought that up in Scottsdale. He said it was, the, it was the best book he's ever read in regards to running a real estate team because wow. you have to be. You have to pay attention to any business, any like business. When you flip from a salesperson to actually a business owner, you have to be what this book goes into is, is it has you set up in a way where, you know, with gap style accounting, which is create the renovate, yep. revenue, yep. then pay your expenses and then profits what's left over. Sure. But so many entrepreneurs go into that saying that, hey, I'm going to I'm the profit's going to hit me in December. The profit's going to, let me keep growing. Let me keep growing. And, and they go into this, this, I need this number yeah. rather than thinking of, okay, well, what profit do I need? So this book kind of flips your whole mindset where it's like, all right, well, if I want to make 480, 480 a year, then $40,000 is coming out on the first of each month. And then the remainder of that is what I'm going to invest in my business. And it's a different, well, it's a different way to look at money. it. I, I met with a bank last week, national lender. They do $20 million a month in business. No one knows about them. You've never heard of them. Yeah. They, literally, they're owned by like a multi-billion dollar a year correspondent wholesale lender. Yep. And they have a subdivision. No one knows about them. When I tell you, it's like literally a gold mine that they're sitting on. They were like, we brought these two guys in and they were losing. I'm giving an example. Yeah. They were getting a thousand leads a month and they were losing $11,000 a month. And you know what they said? 
we need 10,000 leads. And the CEO was like, why? So we could lose $110,000 a month? Like, <laughs> I don't understand here. You're like, you know, so like, true. if you're losing this on this, and you 10 times that, you're going to lose 10 times Cut more. It in half we're, and focus more. Isn't that crazy, though? Yeah. But like, we're that's in the mindset. That, we're in that world right that now where everything's techno- like te- technology based and, and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and they're raising yeah, capital yeah, yeah. to do sure, stuff. And they're sure. not. Whereas, like, Home Depot, for instance, I used to work for them back when I was, you know, 16 or something like that. Yeah. I actually, so I worked at Home fucking Robin Lubber. I worked at Home Depot part time for the benefit. It's as I was growing the uh, landscaping company. I but, love it. But no, but, but they own all of their inventory. Yeah. Right? There's no lines of credit. There's yep. no nothing. Yep. So yep. they built it their on assets. that profiting kind of exactly. Where uh, So you, it's like a Dave Ramsey way. You can't really go out of business if you're going at it in that way. But so many people, Uber, WeWork. Sure. Seamless. You know, yeah. They can really get into a lot of trouble. And they have such a simple model that doesn't have to become overcomplicated Correct. driven Correct. by, Correct. you know, debt. But I would say, yeah, the collaboration side of things, our coach, uh, Coach Kelly, she's, she was Dave's or still is. Uh, she is yeah, she's our director of operations. Yeah. So, like, we're two complete competitors. I mean, we're partners in the EXP side of things, sure. but we're two complete and competitors that she had a lot to do with that. Us working with Dave had a lot to do with that. Dave and I are talking about him coming in as a consultant to coach the heavy, heavy hitters on my team, too. So when they hit a person personal production number, then, and again, we're in a direct market competing against each other, but there's a collaboration that's You know, happening. mortgage people will never do that, right? They will never. <laughs> you know, no other realtors outside of EXP won't do it. Very few. It's yeah, so, why would they clo- we wouldn't do it at KW. And well, you're, it's not, you're almost coached not to. Like they, It's the divide it, and conquer. That's what it is. It's like, shut the door. Well, he let doesn't your, know. I'm going to coach his agents so they do really bad. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then recruit them. He's going to recruit all of them, get their numbers down, and then pick them back up. But that collaborative mindset doesn't exist. I mean, we were running Kyle Whistle, and anybody who doesn't know who Kyle Whistle is or Jay Kinder or Dan Beer, these names, Tammy Pack, just Google them. There's some there's some serious heavy hitters. But we were running Kyle Whistle's Buy or Die campaign on all of our internet leads. So, like, I saw that guy on stage at a Tom Ferry event back in 2013 in Palm Desert, and I was like, that guy gets it. Let's do it. And I think he went from 667 homes to like 250 in one year. I think a note you just gave me a thought, but go ahead. Yeah. So that's a big jump. I mean, that, that that's that's a massive jump. So we had kind of been following it. And then now I text Kyle. Now Kyle's operations manager's talking to my operations manager, you know, on, on Fridays. And we're all jiving together to try to build it as big as possible because we know that if we can show the success and the track record on our end, and we actually, we know what we're doing is all about. We know all about the collaborative. You've been on our mastermind call. Um, every, we're, we're just completely value-based. But through numbers, I think, is a really easy way for other real estate agents to understand because they're drawn by growth. So that was something Dan Beer taught us. That it was like, hey, if you can be, keep doing what you're doing, if you can be an absolute badass at that, people are going to reach out and ask how it's happening. And then you can actually show them as opposed to saying, oh, no, 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 we, we collaborate. I could text Jay Kinder. I can do this, that, and the other thing. It just kind of glances right over their head. But if you can really say, hey, why don't you get on a call with us with Jay Kinder? Well, let's go get on a Zoom call. Let's get on a call with, with, it's valuable. with Dan Beer. Yeah. Let's have them audit your business and give you five takeaways from a 30-minute phone call that they already did wrong so you don't have to do it again. Sure. That's when it, like, clicks. Like, yeah. if you let your guard down, you become vulnerable – and and really listen to the message, then it's like, oh, wait a second, this is this is interesting. This is here. Yeah, yeah. So if you, you look at agents and teams at different levels of production. There could be an agent production wise who's down here that can give 
me something really simple that I could implement. Sure. Right. We're all learning based. It's not like my ego is going to get in the way because, and, and this all comes down to a couple of things. We're just good people. We like to help. We like to contribute, yep. but we get paid a lot of money for this sure. through the revenue share. Sure. And it, that really opened up the door. We would contribute all day long back at our previous brokerages, right? Just out of the goodness of our hearts, just because right. we wanted to help right. build the brokerage. Right. Now everybody is in this mindset and I've seen people's mindset change from this closed off kind of like, don't look at my leads type of thing. To now like, you're all winning together. Now we're all winning together. And, it, and it's not just about the money. Like you've seen people's true colors kind of come through and sure. it's fun, dude. It is it is fun. To Let, do let's this. shift because obviously, you know, real estate, everyone hears real estate. They think fix and flip, right? Fix and flip, cash flow. What's going on in the northern New Jersey, central Jersey, fix and flip market right now, the saturation, the inventory price points? What are you guys seeing? What's the trend? Where are the opportunities, if there are any? Uh, there are certainly opportunities. Um, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of work because you have to find – not only do you have to find a good buy – You've got to find a good buy that's going to be good if the market tanks 15% before you're done with it. That's how good you have to be um, in front. If you're going to flip it, right? Sure. If your model is going to be long-term buy and holds, three, two, one, and done, right? Following a program like that, like looking at, yes, you want to be buying good, but if you're going to be holding it long-term, you want to look more at what is the yield? You know, what is your cash going to be getting for you? And how how much of your lifestyle can you fit into this? Meaning instead of living, renting a condo on the waterfront or whatever, maybe you live in a three family and rent out the other two for a year. Sure. Right. And then move to the two family, keep the three, rent those out. That's my and, biggest regret that I ever did. No one ever told me that. I told you, I bought a condo in the South Bronx as my first property rather than a four family. The condo, yeah. I'm negative 90,000 on the four family. I would have been up 800,000. Think right. about that. Right. Yeah. Think about that. If that number doesn't jump out at everyone listening right now, think about that. In 2010, if I bought a four-family, right, I would have bought it for $300,000. it had been worth $1 million right now. No, I bought a fucking condo for two thirty eight, and it's worth like two thirty two, right? And I'm negative 90000 out of pocket. Yeah. And you would have been 30% into that mortgage, too. Awesome. Oh, forget That's that. Yeah, thing. Like, it might even be paid off right now. Yeah. You know? Even if you're looking to flat markets, right? And I'll say this to all the renters out there right now, and this is what we say to the people who are reaching out to us who want to rent one of our properties is, Call us and talk to us. These programs always existed. Right now, we're just in a place where we were able to like bring it to light. That like, hey, if you're going to be willing to sacrifice a little bit of your lifestyle, live in a, a four family or a th three family, rent the others out, start paying your mortgage down, and then just repeat that four, five, six years later, you're going to have 10, 12 units that you own that are paying themselves sure. off, and you're living for free in your single Tremendous family. Tremendous equity, condo, everything. Right? Yeah. It's, just pay it's aggressive patience is what... I think people have to have if they're going into investing right now. So have you guys seen any deals? I know you guys see a lot of action, but I'm talking about actual deals yeah. that make sense right now. He just bought one in the fall, right? Montclair? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Montclair. I mean, what, my, my general rule of thumb with a flip is, obviously, if we're, we're going to buy a, a, a buy and hold, um, that's a long-term play. You're just kind of kind of parking money, that sort of thing. But if you're going to go and flip, and there's going to be actual construction or swinging hammers, that sort of thing. You know, I want to be able, if I'm going to buy it for 450 I need to be able to sell it for 520 without doing anything to it. Right, as like is. Just, as is. And, and in order to find those deals, you really have to get, like, gritty and roll up your sleeves and, and get after it. And there's, a, you know, biggerpockets.com will tell you how to, they're more buy and hold. But there's plenty of flip webinars out there, that whole thing. And the more 
<laughs> flips that I've done, the more I'm transitioning completely away from that because waste of time. They're time consuming. My best case scenario, maybe I'll make a hundred grand. Maybe. Yeah, but then maybe. you have to do another one to be able to cover the taxes. For yeah, that. You gotta do- and it's you know it's great, but but there's so much time that goes into that. Whereas if we go back to that straight arrow thing, it's like you can make a hundred grand selling five homes for eight hundred thousand dollars. You know, it's like that's so much With easier no in my system no because I already have the back yeah, no risk, no liability. It just funnels in. The, the admins run it, take a transaction to close, and. And we're we're ready, and I can move on to the next one, and and the clients have a great experience. You brought something up interesting about the bigger pockets, right? And they're saying buy and hold, buy and hold, buy and hold, right? And bigger pockets. I know they started many years ago, but they really took off in like fourteen, like thirteen to sixteen range when everyone became a real estate investor again. Here's my problem with the market, and because you guys both started essentially when I did, you obviously a couple years before me. It's like everyone's developing these theories now when the market's going straight up, right? Like everyone coming out there that has a voice, right? The wholesalers, all these bullshitters that didn't experience the money's getting caught in 07, the Dow dropping 60% in 08, Lehman Brothers going out, Bear Stearns going out, Citibank stock dropping down to a dollar, right? Warehouse lines being cut in 09. Credits was cutting all their products, yeah. When I came into Manhattan in 2013, so I broke in when I was 26 years old, and I, I... Avoided Manhattan because I didn't think I could play in the major leagues. I was 25, 26 years old from the Bronx, right? Like, who the fuck's going to talk to the Bronx kid from Manhattan, right? In Manhattan. (laughs) Nobody was buying. I would literally go into major real estate firms teaching their agents what a purchase money mortgage was because they were only doing rentals. Only rentals. Only rentals. And if you look at the charts in Manhattan, rents from 08, 9, 10, 11, 12, they were skyrocketing because nobody had down payment and no one thought they can qualify for a mortgage, right? Right. So you have these people that are giving theories and concepts and trends out right now of what to do. We're at the top of the we're at pretty close to the top of the market, in my opinion, with rates being so low. How much value do you weigh on somebody saying, just buy and hold, buy and hold, buy and hold, don't fix and flip at the top of this market here? It really depends what your goals are. You have to know what your your main goal is. And just like I said before, if you're gonna go into fix and flip, if you're gonna it all has to point back to that same arrow. Like for, for example, for me. We probably have, what, 12 properties that are in construction between the two of us that are mostly flips. You know, one, one is the Airbnb holds. Some might um, turn into holds. Yeah, some <laughs> might yeah. turn into holds. Yeah. But I looked at it saying, all right, it's going to be very, very difficult for us to not make money on this flip because we bought so well. Sure. Things happen, though. You know, that one of those properties is a year, over a year behind. I know. We did we're a loan on a it. Lot. We're paying yeah. a lot every yeah. month on the mortgage. Yeah. We're still going to make money on it. And for me... Part of that is the way I bring it back is we are masters of marketing new construction, new development, new construction, luxury rehabs, the DeVoe Group as lead generation, as lead generation, as listing agents. That's our thing. That's what we're really good at. So if I have a property here, maybe I'm not making as much money, which my bare minimum is $100,000 per project, right? Um, no matter how big it yeah, is. It's not worth it's it. Otherwise. Be, otherwise, it's not worth it. But- I could generate another $150,000 and feed my agents from the leads that I'm going to generate while it's in construction. Wow. So that's another part of it that plays in. When I look at things, I say, all right, what is this doing for me? Sure. Right? What is this doing for my partners? What is this doing for my agents? And if all three of those are close and I know that we're not going to lose money on it, I'll, I'll go for it, even though it's a flip. Then you want to make sure that your time is measured too, because our time is worth a lot of money. Sure. Right? And the mental time that you're not actually physically doing anything that you're and thinking the about. The mental time and the energy, right? And the, and the stress. The worry. So yeah. You've got a team on the ground that's yeah. going to manage that project so well that you don't ever have to 
have all that stress, right? Yeah, yeah. And you believe that exists, that doesn't exist. Very tough. Even if it does, the, the next project, it goes away. Yeah, they're good for tough. two or three, yeah. and then all two of a sudden... Yeah, fall they off, they need money. You yeah. have to have two or three builder partners or crews lined up for when that one just falls off the face of the earth, loses integrity, gets burnt out, whatever common. it is. Very, it's very common. common. Yeah. yeah, I always say anybody who's a good contractor builds skyscrapers. You're right. They don't do small projects. They don't do fix and flips. So the ones that do fix and flips... There's something they either do great work, but they don't know how to run a business, they don't know how to leverage, they don't know how to hire right. You know, like they're, they're something. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, you know, like we, we know everybody, all it. yeah, we've all dealt with finance, somebody like that. Yeah, there's the financing <laughs> that we go through and stuff for these projects. Yeah. Everybody's licensed; they need insurance, all that. Not, but, but yeah, no. There, there, there's so much that can go wrong, and and that's my yeah. I always say that like a handyman is is you know usually unlicensed, something like that, sure. a painter, that sort sure. of thing. And if you're really really good at what you do, Charge you build premium. skyscrapers. Charge a premium. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you guys recommend for people that are listening right now that want to set their goals? You know, obviously, we're a couple days into 2020 already. I personally didn't put my goals on paper yet. I'm going to do that probably this weekend. I'm going to take some time to myself and really sit down. I have to do it with a clear thought, quiet, and really just meditate on it. What do you guys recommend for people to do to set themselves up for success, not only for this year, but for the next decade? Well, I have a goal-setting workshop. The link is right there. Okay. Uh, we'll plug it in. Yeah. Deposit, right deposit that. Yeah. <laughs> There's a link to it where you can check it out. And it could apply to a month, a year, five years, 10 years, right? One thing I would recommend, and, and all of the content I think that you need is in that workshop. And that's based off of people telling me that. That's not my opinion, yeah, yeah. my own workshop. Sure, but the main thing is like, don't do what you just said you're going to do. A lot of people will get ready to get ready to get ready. They want to make sure everything's perfect. It's the perfect weather. They have the perfect room. They're going to meditate. They're going to do it. Just go do it. Set the goals. Don't wait for everything to be perfect because the universe is never going to provide that for you. And if you will just set the time, put it in your schedule, like you said, you're going to do it this weekend, make it happen. Don't wait for it all to happen and set itself up for you. The second thing would be to make sure that you have two thought patterns with this. One is there's a difference between a goal and a commitment. Your business plan should have your commitments. This is what I'm going to do no matter what, whether if it's it's a real estate agent, I'm going to do two to three deals a month, no matter what, or one to two deals a month, whatever that number is for you. If it's somebody who's going to be investing, flipping, know that this year I'm going to do six flips, four flips, 24 flips, whatever it is, that's your commitment that no matter what, that's going to happen, right? And then there's your goals. The goals are separate and goals can be transaction based, but mostly they're, here's what I want my life to look like through, here's what I want my business, my family life, my recreation, sociability, my contribution, my giving back, charitable, all of that. This is what I want that. To, and, and in that workshop, I talk about how to build those things. So there's your, there's your commitments and then there's your, your goals. Your goals could be as wild and as big as you want them to be, as long as you're hitting your commitments. Interesting. Brett? I mean, he kind of, he taught me how to goal set. So whatever Dave says in that regards. <laughs> no. Yeah. I mean, I also, I don't think that it's a, you know, I've, I've over leveraged in the past too. I, I think that, have. yeah, I mean, my, my main thing right now is, is cash heavy. So I'm trying to, I put myself on a going away from that profit at the end of the month sort of thing. I put myself, I actually 1099 myself from a 1099 job yes. through ADP payroll. Yeah. yeah. And that hits biweekly as a bill. So regardless of how big of an agent you are, um, ADP will let you take, you know, 30% of your income, go to a second account from that and stuff. It's, it's, it's nice. So you can, you know, your tax account, that sort of thing. But treat, treat your own income as, as a bill, 
and then figure out what that needs to be. So like Grant Cardone, for instance, he says, if you can save 40% of your income year over year, if you can do that for 10 years, you're done. I don't think anybody's saving 40% of their income. I'm going to try. paying taxes. You I'm going to try. try. You could try. I mean, I mean, I know what those numbers are tough. for me yeah, to do it. It's very tough. Yeah. Um, you're purposeful yeah. about it. You're yeah. Purposeful. I have no car payment. Right. I live in a condo well within my means. Right. You know, like we're, my, my wife and I really set our life up, yep. you know, two years ago, three years ago in a way where it's like, no, Multiple. let's let's see how much money we can save. That's awesome. And thank God I did that, too, because when, when shit hits the fan, sure. yes, had I not done that, I'd probably be bankrupt right sure. now, too, because I've had you know, things not go completely as planned. So, so you're good. That's why, like, you look at his business, it, it doubled right. this year, right. you know, because he's, he's, abu- he's in abundance. And to, to that point, there was an agent that posted something. I think it, her name is Jen, Jennifer Romero. She's yeah, an Jen agent. Romero, yeah. You know her, right? Yeah, no she's, in, she's in Richmond. I, I, I've chatted with her a little bit. I don't know her too well, but she made a post that said something like, you can't fill others' cups if yours is empty. True. Right? Yep. You have to take care of yourself. Sometimes we go so far out to make sure everybody else is good and we're sitting here like empty. fuck empty empty yeah. yeah so as we close up the podcast we let the listeners deposit one thing to their memory bank that's where the deposit that came from so what's your one piece of advice your one line for somebody when they listen to this episode that you want them to leave here with and implement into their daily life don't all speak at once <laughs> yeah i think for for me a big shift this year was that i i am allowed to be and you've taught me this too, but I'm allowed to be selfish and I'm allowed to worry about myself, my wife, my family, uh, my own finances ahead of everybody else's. Because if what Dave was just saying, if I'm thriving, if everything's thriving, I guarantee everybody else's life is going to be way better around me than flipping it the other way around. And I see so many people go about it that way. So whether you're a single agent, whatever it may be, I mean, it's so important to pay yourself, to focus on yourself. And then in, in an extremely unselfish way, flip sure. it over to how do we give, 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 give. Love so, that completely. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and I would use that quote that Jen posted. And I just want to thank her because it, it really is so simple. It was a great reminder for me um, because before it was make everybody else do good and then I'm going to be fine. Right. It, you have to be fine. So I'm not going to I'm not going to use that, but I'm just going to say whatever it is, whatever you think you want to do, just fucking do it. Just do it, mess it up, and then keep going. Just do it now. Do not wait. Whatever it is, it's getting on the phone. It's figuring out ways to connect. Don't wait until everything is perfect for you. Just go do it right now. Awesome. I appreciate you guys coming on the show. Thanks for coming into New York City. I know you guys don't like taking the path in, but <laughs> so on a rainy, cool away. day, we got so it. Far away. Appreciate you guys. Best of luck for 2020 and the next decade. Thank awesome. you, man. Thanks, man. Thanks. Appreciate it.